0: Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippey. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have.
1: What's up? I'm Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. It is our 2024 Ole Miss baseball season preview. Back in the saddle with Colin Brister. We talked about expectations for this team, the season-ending injury to Xavier Rivas, what to expect from almost an entirely new lineup, the depth of the SEC, and a whole lot more. So I think you'll really enjoy this, get you in the mood for baseball season as the Rebels travel on Wednesday to the Big Island to kick off a weekend series against Hawaii. So buckle up. I think you'll enjoy this podcast. Before we get to that, I want to take one quick break to remind you. This podcast is brought to you by C Spire. It's time to upgrade your home internet to the best service in the market with C Spire Home Fiber. The past few years have proven how important it is to have a reliable home internet connection for you and your family. That's why C Spire Home provides the most reliable internet service with 99.99% uptime. C Spire also prides themselves in having the best customer service in the home internet market. Their customer service is award-winning. Local service based out of the southeast with industry-low call wait time. CSpire provides one gigabit and three hundred megabit internet packages to homes across Mississippi, Birmingham, and the southern Alabama regions. CSpire is also proud to announce the release of their brand new two gigabit and eight gigabit home internet plans. Save yourself the hassle by not waiting for your internet connection to drop with the other guys. Call or go online to cspire.com/home today to use the promo code Rippy R I P P E E at checkout for one month of free service. That's right, just for listening to this podcast. Podcast. You get one month of free service when signing up for C Spire. Check them out. C Spire, customer inspired. This podcast is brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. College basketball season's heating up. NFL's winding down. If you're trying to make a little money, we'll make a little extra cash in your pocket. You need to go with Skybox. Their bread and butter is and has always been college basketball. I've been saying it on this podcast for years at this point. Let me lend you inside a little bit of Skybox's year-long college basketball action this so far this year. They're up 24 and a half units on overs on the year. They're up 0.027 units on unders plus 19 and a half units on against the spreads and are up a total of 39 units on the year with the hundred dollar better per unit you're up almost four thousand dollars that'd be thirty nine hundred eight bucks on the season don't you wish you had that well you probably didn't sign up for skybox check them out today you'll find the picks package that fits your price range get familiar with skybox before march madness let them help you make some money on the end of the nfl season and so much more they're the best sports handicapping site in the business check them out skybox the stats speak for themselves and if you go online and find a picks package to Jay and use the promo code Rippy R I P P E E, you'll get 20% off any package. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. All right, here's Colin. All right, we now welcome on Rippy Writes baseball correspondent Colin Brister. I don't have a fancy intro. All I gotta say is we are back.
0: <laughs> that is that is accurate and also true. So um it's uh it's baseball season. How far in my, my world, it, my life's been a whirlwind in the past. How many days till baseball season?
1: Like 10-ish? Yeah, dude, it's we, a, we record this late on a Wednesday night. They will play baseball in Hawaii. Um, Our time, mostly Saturday morning, but of course, starting Friday night, <laughs> like nine days from now. Um, I was going to say the same thing. You know, normally we'll have you on like late uh, January. We'll talk about the team. We'll do like the season preview after media days and all that. I texted you out of the blue like two days ago. I was like, I guess we need to do a baseball podcast. My life's been a little bit of whirlwind too. Maybe it's the basketball team being a little bit good. But I got to say, this snuck up on me this year. I was like, oh, oh, shit. This this is 10 days away.
0: (laughs) So uh, the basketball team here, like, yeah. So we'll get to baseball in a second. You know what's like fun about this basketball team? And this is going to sound dumb when I say it. They're like fun to watch. Like after the last three years, I enjoy watching Ole Miss basketball again. They're not very good on defense, and they're not getting a whole lot better. But by God, they can score the ball. Um, so I have thoroughly enjoyed watching the Ole Miss Rebels uh, play play basketball for the past three or four weeks. It has been a delightful experience because, God, what I had to watch the last three years made me want to jump off a bridge.
1: Oh, it's unbelievable, and you and I were talking about this a little bit right before we started recording. He's a great coach. What he did to reshape the roster sure. this one year is incredible. But, like, they're good But I say they're good. They're fun to watch, but they're also maddening. Like I was telling you, how pissed off I got the other night watching the South Carolina (laughs) game because of Brakefield and the way they had to close the game because he wouldn't play and all of that. And like you lose sight of the overall context. I'm like, gosh, this is so frustrating to watch. But hey, wait a minute, they're about to be 18 and five even if they lose this. Like the fact that (laughs) they're five and five in the SEC. Well, and, the, and the best conference in America with eight games left is remarkable. But, like, they have this weird knack of, like, yes, they're fun to watch. Yes, they play really hard. Should they be in this position? Probably not. But at the same time on a game-to-game basis, you're like, damn, this is frustrating.
0: Well, it's it's frustrating because they can't guard anyone. And that, that's that that's what's – like – and it's not really even their fault. Most of them, they're, they're kind of out-athleted. And, you know, their offensive point guard is, what, 5'10"? Um, so he's, he's mismatched there at times, but, um, uh, they play really hard and I am the same way. Like I'm watching the Auburn game and the second half, I'm like, why can't we guard anybody? And I'm like, Oh, well, cause they're not really, you know, this isn't the team that Baird would construct. So, uh, but it's just, and it's, you it's also have fun. to
1: remember now that we're paying attention, like Auburn could have dropped 120 on Alabama if they wanted to tonight, <laughs> it was also just in a lead off. I haven't even seen scores tonight. Auburn had 55 at half on Alabama. Jeez. Dude, they're good. So they
0: lost those two games to All-Met or to Mississippi State and to somebody else and decided, no, wet we've had enough of that nonsense.
1: Pretty much. They're, dude, they're <laughs> real good. But to your point, yes, like they struggle defensively a little bit. And, like, even at times, like they've been good defensively at times this year. It's like the yin and yang, too, of like – str- I feel like in stretches where they're decent defensively, is when on the other end, the ball gets stuck. And you're like, what are we doing offensively? Why is Alan Flanagan taking an a, a 18-foot jump shot over one and a half guys, that type of thing? You know what I mean? It never <laughs> matches up. But still, it's all gravy. It's fun. Yes,
0: I think they're going to make the tournament. Like, if I had to bet, I think if I had to bet today, they make the tournament, right? Like, I know they got a tough finish, but I think I would still make, bet on them making the tournament. And that'll be cool. They get to play, like, I don't know, Providence or something in the 10-7 game, and that'd be fun. So that, that's the only, that's what's cool about all this basketball. It's like, yeah, uh, just make the tournament and nobody's going to say a word. And we'll all be happy and we'll all enjoy. Um, so, yeah, I know this is a baseball podcast, but I don't want to reiterate how much, how much I've enjoyed watching the uh, basketball Rebels the past three or four weeks.
1: You're exactly right. It's like Kermit's first year, right? He has TD, he has B, yeah. and he has U or whatever. They were a ton of fun team. They got absolutely destroyed. They had, they had no in that energy. eight nine game, and nobody cared because you know they weren't supposed to. No, they, to they had no energy the conference. left. They had no energy
0: left. They had sold out to make the tournament, and they were done. And Bruce Stevens also couldn't guard anyone.
1: Yes, and Dom, um, and they had no answer for anybody. I'll never oh, forget. Oh, that's I mean,
0: right. Look, I get you can say whatever you want about Kermit, not a great coach, all that. He made the tournament starting Dom Olenichek. Yes. He knows he did something right.
1: In all actuality, he started half of Dominic Olenichek and half of Bruce Stevens and decided which one he hated worse and just did it back and forth.
0: this is not a joke. I had a person on a Division 1 basketball staff the year that Dominic Oladichek started for Ole Miss his first year tell me that he was going to be as good as Sebastian Saiz. That's the thing that came out of a person's mouth. Oh,
1: my God. I'll never forget. <laughs> our last basketball story here, Ole Miss plays in that NCAA tournament game. They're playing in Columbia, South Carolina. So, South Carolina, yeah. which, by the way, South Carolina has like a nice pro-level arena. Mm-hmm. Um, I can admit this now, six, seven years after the fact, whatever the hell it is, I guess we're five. Uh, I was violently hungover trying to get into that game. Um, ben Garrett, a couple of other, us others, I would say stayed out a little bit too late, a little bit of a turbulent time in my own life. And then
0: it was uh, like 10 a.m.
1: Uh, yeah, and I woke up and I was like, oh, God, I got to get to the stadium real quick. I kind of walk <laughs> in there. I'll never forget this to this day. I'm like trying to bring a water and a Gatorade up to my <laughs> box and some nerd from the NCA stops me. Cause my, my thing's not in an NCA cup. And I was like, really God? I'm looking for a reason. And you really don't Funny. want to test this guy
0: right now. I'm looking for my 13th one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you really don't want to test me right now. I'm going to put this in your little cup guy. Cause I know you get paid X amount of dollars an hour and it's not your fault, but like I'm staring a hole in his face. And then I get there. And within 10 minutes, the game's over. So I'm like, thank God I got bailed out. I can write this and go back to the hotel and sleep. So that was my NCAA tournament story of 29. That is true. That
0: game was over, I don't know, by the second media
1: timeout. 100%. It was over way before halftime. I had the story written. My one claim to fame in that game was I didn't understand how media worked after the NCAA tournament. So Kermit and the opposing head coach would go talk at the podium where everyone else, like Dan Walken and the nerds, stood. But if you wanted to talk mm-hmm. to players, you actually got to go in the locker room. So I didn't know that. So I start sprinting down to the locker room and all of a sudden I hit what I think is a brick wall and I fall straight on my face as I'm sprinting down this tunnel. Guess what I hit? Trey Young. Dominic Oh oh oh. I hit Trey Young coming out of the Oklahoma locker room, square in the chest and went straight down. That's, <laughs> that's a my That's my one claim to fame.
0: Of, that's a lot of money you ran into.
1: I know. I was like, dude, I'm so sorry. He's like, you good, bro? That looked like a tough spill. And I was like, no, I'm fine. Are you okay? Even though he didn't fucking move. <laughs> it was Wait, me getting Trey Young, Young was on that team. No, no, no. He was a alum. He was a rookie for the Atlanta Hawks. He had come okay, back I was to, watch to the game and he was in OU's locker room. So he was just kind of walking around being a dude. Oh, okay. I was about to say, how the heck were they an
0: eight seed with Trey Young? But that, that makes more sense.
1: Yeah, no, year after. I just hope I didn't hurt his chest too bad. Um, anyway, all right, so 2024 Old Miss Rebels. So, I'm sitting, I guess, one last basketball story. I'm at the game on Saturday, um, Old Miss playing Auburn. I'm sitting in the beard line and I can see some guy looking at me. And I was like, I kind of know how this is gonna go. And we get it like the front of the line, and he was like, Hi, my name's Ben. Like, I listen to your podcast, I really appreciate it. I think he's a college student, I hope he's listening out there. Nice guy from Dallas. And I was like, thanks, man. I appreciate it. He was like, I'm really looking forward to the baseball podcast again with Colin. I was like, well, we got to give the people what they want. So five days later, we're just delivering for Ben from here. That. We are here. We thanks. are. Hello, Ben. Hello, Ben. We're back. So shout out to you out there. I really appreciated that part of it. Um, we'll start with the vague thought 2024 old Miss Rebels. What what the hell? What what are we expecting here? What is the expectations? This could um, go so many different ways. I'm actually more fascinated than it was in other years.
0: Yeah. So I could make a case, like just, I could, I can convince myself that this team hosts a regional that's about the far, as far as I'll go is ceiling. Um, I could also convince myself pretty easily that this team misses the tournament. Um, so, but you know, what's funny. I was, I was talking to somebody about this. No, like, yeah, that's a matter of about three wins in the SEC, like 13, you uh, don't make it in 16 You host, So that makes good sense. Um, but, yeah, like, it's it's interesting because you look at this team and it's like, well, it, I mean, here's some reality. I mean, it's just is what it is. If JT Quinn is not good, this team will not they, – they won't make a regional. Uh, they, he's got to be – especially, you know, after the unfortunate news of Xavier Revis. Uh, he's got to shoulder that load on Friday night. And and I'll say it at this point, too, that, you know, uh, with Rivas there and, and Dahl there uh, from Coastal, you maybe could have not had a great Grayson have been okay. No, Grayson Sanya has got to be good. Yeah. He's got to be really good um, or at least serviceable in a weekend role um, or this team's not going to be able to to reach expectations. Now, you know, uh, I heard Clem talk about this. And and, and it and actually through some, you know, I, it, it's something I hadn't thought about. But if you remember in, in 2017, the team was atrocious at the plate. What happened? All those kids got better. So why can't this pitching staff get better? They were atrocious last year. I don't think anybody in that building would. They were awful on the mound. Um, but, you know, there's talented kids. Why can't they get better? So um, we're just going to have to see. It's, it's the biggest question mark I can remember um, on an Ole Miss baseball team in a long time because, I, you know, last year to me it wasn't a question mark. I thought they were going to be pretty good, and I was – God, I was uh, – um, I knew about three weeks in the SEC to play, oh, this team's not any good. This team, it's like, man, you again, you could convince me regional, you could convince me of twelve and eighteen. Like and, and neither of us, neither of those is gonna shock me.
1: Well, there's no knocking off the podcast rust for you because you just hit on like five of the next six <laughs> things I had written down. So we're already in mid-season form. I think you encapsulated that perfectly, right? It's like you could convince yourself this team's pretty good. You could convince themselves Yourself that they're going to host. You can also convince yourself that they're going to suck and miss the NCAA tournament. And what you said, it's a matter of like three wins. You're 13 and 17. It's like, oh, you got to make the tournament. It's like 16 and 14. It's like, oh, you're probably going to host if things fall the right way. It's such a small margin for error. And not to defer back to last year, because I want to get in the personnel in a minute. But if you think about it, last year they go get swept at Vandy and mm-hmm. then they get swept at home by Florida and they start 0 mm-hmm. uh, and 6. And they were terrible. Because of, I don't know if it was content related <laughs> or just we were holding out hope because they won a national championship the year before. With as big of a bear as the SEC is, looking back with hindsight being 2020, if we're being honest with ourselves, even if that team was good and didn't have the injuries they had, that's a death knell. You can't start yeah. in the SEC and expect well, anything at all,
0: right? Well, my, my favorite thing about last year was so two years ago in 2022, they started off 7 and 14. And like uh, the the topic of conversation on this podcast was how the hell are they seven and fourteen? How in the world are they seven and fourteen? And last year they were six and fifteen. I'm like, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> that's, yes, that's and like then on the seven and fourteen
1: be. part, to your point, like don't get me wrong, not impossible, but that run they went on two years ago that doesn't really happen that often.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure, but like last year this team was six and fifteen. I'm just. Yeah, that's probably what they need to be. Maybe a little worse, actually, because they're not any good. Um, but that, that that was the difference. Is like that team deserved to be 6-15 and because they – because of injuries, because of, you know, misevaluations, they just weren't a very good baseball team. Um, and I'll be honest, man, I didn't watch – I guess I can say this now. I didn't watch a whole lot after the, about the 18th game of the year because, like, what are you watching for? They're not going to win. And if they do win, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Um, I will say this. I will say this. You know what, Matt, last year made me appreciate a lot, though? What's that? Mike Bianco. Because do you know how miserable the end of the year was when the team had no prayer to make the tournament? So at last year, he has made me do a lot of appreciation over the past years. He won a national title, and he showed me that being god-awful at baseball sucks. Because last year was so miserable.
1: It's like a reflection of himself in that way, right? He's like, I told you people over 22 years. (laughs) (laughs) Now we suck. How do you like me now? (laughs) You want to do this again? No, I don't. I
0: do not want to do this again. Thank you.
1: It's like the ultimate flex where he went from always awesome in the regular season or at least competitive postseason, blah, blah, blah. Narrative is what it is To I just won a national title. Now I'm about to go six and 24 to show you. Four. <laughs> of course he did not do that on purpose. It was no, a tough obviously. year in a lot of respects. And honestly, when you talk about last year to give some people some inside baseball um, well, one, two years ago when they were seven and 14 was really the first time I ever had a conversation with you. It was like, dude, I love doing this every week, but I'm not going to waste your time. <laughs> I think this is over then they sweep Missouri and I was like, I guess we got to keep doing this. Then last year it actually happened by like the end of April I was like, dude, we don't need to keep doing what are it. we doing I was like I love having you on the show. They're five and sixteen or six and 15 whatever it is. I was like let's just let this play out and enter a long summer And on that side of it too, like I guess I bring that up to mention, We probably knew that was the case, right? You have Hunter Elliott go down, they lose those first two series, they try to fight their way back a little bit. But remember, you get in the doldrums of April where they like inexplicably lose that state series and a couple others, where before we start recording, me and you were just talking about like, I get we have to do this, but like it's the same thing. They can't get enough outs and they just don't aren't disciplined enough at the plate. Like what else do people want to hear? That was very frustrating, whereas I'm not telling you this team is going to be good. I would be shocked if we're in a similar situation in April. We're talking about this team is what it is. I think there's two different possibilities of what they could be and what they could develop into into the year.
0: What percentage would you put on? All right, let's do it this. What percentage would you put on it that they make the NCAA tournament? 55. 55. They make that. I'm going to go lower. I think I'm closer to 65 to 70. I, I, I do think. There are two to three seed now, host at uh, 10, 15%. Maybe, uh, yeah,
1: I was about to say, host, I'm going five to 10. And uh, granted, yeah. I'm willing to come off the 55 number. I was trying to be a little bit conservative. I do, uh, I guess I say 55, I meant to go over 50%. I do believe this team will make the NCAA tournament, was my point.
0: Two. I, 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 there's a path they can host. The issue is like, uh, here's the issue from a hosting perspective when I, when I talk to people about this. I think they could be pretty good at the end of the year, but I think like JT Quinn and, and Grayson Sonier and Liam Dole are going to have to go through SEC play for a little bit and and maybe get their brains beat in once or twice before they're ready to go. And then you do that and you're two and four, three and six, and you're behind the eight ball from that perspective as far as hosting goes. And then maybe you're a whole lot better at the end of May and the beginning of June than you are, you know, in, in March and April and you've already played yourself out of a hosting spot. Um I, I think this team makes the tournament. I think it's a, a lower two seed or higher three seed. If me put my life on the line to gauge it right now, I can be wrong. And that, and I will give Mike a ton of credit. And and you know to uh, for to Carl and and, and Clement, um, it, you can't sit there and say you know oh we've got these problems we've got these problems and then do nothing to fix them. They busted their tail, and and it may not work. I don't know but they didn't just sit back and sit on their hands and do nothing and say, Oh, we're just going to develop guys. No, they, they went out and got dudes. Um, Hopefully they, they did a good job evaluating over 23 years. I'm going to guess that they did. Uh, You know, I know that last year happened, but they went out and got players. They didn't just sit on their hands and and, and do nothing. So, so credit to them for that.
1: No. And you're absolutely dead on with that too. And we'll get into the personnel here in a second, but you're right. They didn't sit on their hands. I mean, there's a realistic world. And again, I'll kind of want to get to this in a minute. It was like, You could see a a, a world where there's a lineup where there's only two guys that started last year that are in this lineup this year. And I think that's a testament of what they did in the portal. But like on top of that too, I I love, like, I I love talking about the dynamic of we talked about Mike Bianco never really sucks in the regular season. Well, he's now had back to back. If we're being completely honest, atrocious regular seasons, right? Yes. The one big outlier is the fact that they won the whole thing (laughs) after one of those and it's like the biggest, yeah, but ever. And when you can, talk about this team, can like, you imagine 2-3, c 3-C, are they imagine... going to host? I do think, like, from the perception standpoint, if, like, the fact that this team, even if they don't host, if they make the tournament and they're just scrapping SEC play, I think them scrapping to 14 and 16 to 15 and 15 matters. I don't think they can survive another of, like, oh, this team just didn't have no. another 12 and 18, 11 and 19. They need to be competitive on a week-to-week basis through the end of May. Yeah, I don't...
0: They're not. I don't think they're going to roll a six and twenty four again under any circumstance. You could convince me they roll a thirteen and seventeen and the 16, 16 and and miss the tournament. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, look, this program has to make the tournament this year for me. Like, yes, winning the national title was awesome and 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 great, and, and it was one of the best you know sporting moments of my life for sure. Um, but you don't get to tell, call yourself and touch yourself as one of the most consistent programs in America. And it is. It's one of the most consistent programs in America, still, even with last year, and then missed the NCAA tournament two times. Right? Everybody has what happened last year happened to them. Almost just hadn't had it in 23 years. You go back through and look at the SEC. This has happened. That happened to LSU. Maybe not to that extreme. But they've missed the tournament before. Uh, it happened to Arkansas in 2016. It happened to Mississippi State. I don't know, every other year. It happens to Alabama and Auburn. It happened to A&M A and couple of years ago when they fired children. It happens. It can't happen two years in a row. That that that's the that's where you have to say, okay, we we have a problem with the program versus just we had a bad year.
1: Exactly right, and it's like not—I hate doing the comparison to Mississippi State down the road. You know, record Mike Bianca's record against them recently. Be damned. I mean, head-to-head in college baseball kind of is what it is. Not really that big of an indicator. But to your point, State wins the national championship in 2021. That happened to them two years in a row. And rightly, wrongly, again, they own Ole Miss. I'll give them credit for that. But you're talking about what's wrong with the program. You got a guy that won a national championship two years ago and you're wondering if he's gonna survive the year. That's what happens if this happens two years in a row. Like state is the example. Yes. You have an example already in state.
0: I I I mean, we a hundred look, I don't want to do this on February the eighth. They roll us not in twenty-one. I'm not totally convinced he survives. No, I don't think that's gonna happen. Not in
1: twenty-one. With they go 12 and 18. You sure he survives? <laughs> They're, that I, I think you're underestimating it a little bit. I think there's a ton of pressure on him this year, which is the point. No, uh, wait, wait, hold, who, 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 hold on, hold on. Who are we talking about?
0: Are we talking about Limo or Bianco? Because I was talking about Bianco.
1: Oh, okay. So I'm sorry. I was talking about Lemonis. Yes, nine and twenty-one. Oh man, I don't think they pulled the. Tr- Again, I don't know. Talking, I about don't
0: either. Me. But I think it's a. I think it's a combo. But no, if, if Lemonis misses the tournament. He can pack his bags. I was gonna say, sure if going goes tw-
1: 9 in twenty one, I was misunderstanding what you are saying. No, Lamontes no, goes no, nine no. 21. that buddy can go back to Indiana. He's done.
0: <laughs> no, Lamonas will not go nine and twenty one. You want to know why? Because at about oh, I don't know, nine and fifteen, they'll be buddy. You're you're done. Just just gone. We'll we'll try something else. The last six games of the year. Um, but I don't even know if you know. I noticed in the Mississippi State podcast, I don't even know if just making the tournament. Keeps him there. I think he's gonna have to. They're gonna to have to have a good year. Over there. They might, I have no idea what they have, um, but I don't think they could just squeak in as a three seed and him be and be safe.
1: No, it's a big optics year. Like it's one of those things where even like result be damned, there can be some variance on like the result and how that's contextualized. But like it has to look better. Like they 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 can't yes. do that thing where they can't get outs and they they were like who's coming out of the bullpen here? Like they had the last two years. It has to look much better. <laughs> yeah. On the yeah. like. That's what's going to be fascinating about this team. And I, I can't believe we're sitting here in early February already talking about injury news. But I mean, Chase reports last weekend that Xavier yeah. blew out his elbow um in a preseason practice or inter squad or whatever it was. I guess we'll start there when kind of dissecting what this team is and what they could be. I mean, I, I would be putting it mildly, that's a pretty massive blow to a guy, whether he's going to yeah. be a Saturday, Saturday guy, whatever it was, that's a weekend rotation guy that you're just never going to have. That's huge. Look, second year in a row. What Was he, you know,
0: an all-star last year? No, but I guess I could argue he was the best pitcher on the team for a while. I mean, that feels fair, right? Yeah, he's was the Friday um, guy by default,
1: and you could see the signs of him being a sick Saturday guy in 2024.
0: Yeah, Um, and now obviously won't be. Obviously, tough news for the kid. It's heartbreaking for the kid, right, because, you know, he debates going pro and, and coming back. And, well, now, man, this poor kid is, is 14, 16 months out. I'm not – he won't. It, I, I will be totally shocked if he's not ready at the beginning of next year. Um, Tommy John takes a while. It's – it's you know, the recovery rate's really high, but it's also a longer timetable. Um, so, you know – We've already seen that, this in Hunter
1: Elliott. Essentially, like, three weeks accelerated, right?
0: Yeah, and and I'm I, – I, did I read where they've already just said he's not pitching this year? He will not pitch
1: this year. Um, yeah. In all likelihood – I mean, I guess I was I just to say say would sidebar. He will not pitch – in all likelihood, not pitching in an Ole Miss uniform – where I mean, we just got sidebar here. Where does that rank in terms of the weirdest old Miss careers?
0: Yeah, it's it's up there. Um,
1: to no fault of the kid, by the way. I think most people out there listening understand that. Yeah, he, he wins the national um, championship as a freshman, blows out his elbow, is going to miss all of that year. Essentially, I know he tried to come back, and then the next year, and then he has to go pro. Like, what a bizarre career! Are we absolutely sure he's going pro for this year? Because there's no, my not question positive. That. I would lean that I'm way. I'm not-,
0: not totally positive. I mean, and look, I have no insight on this. Um, my question is like, how high is the the left-hander that's ninety ninety two and it just came off Tommy John? How high is he going to go? I think he's a really good pitcher, and I think he should be drafted high. Like, is there a world where he doesn't get drafted high? Um, so I don't know. Just thinking out loud. Um, yeah, really, really weird Ole Miss career. Again, yeah, no fault of his own at all, but. Just, you know, unfortunate luck, and you know, gets hurt in the first start last year and only is able to throw an inning after that. Um, which that was kind of weird in and of itself that like why I don't want to go there. Um, but I
1: never understood that whole thing either. I derailed you though. Revas is a massive loss.
0: Yes, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, I mean it just it it moves everything up. Like, you know, I to me, I don't necessarily know if Sonia was part of the weekend rotation and now he will be. Um And man, they need that kid. That kid's got to be good. There's really no way around it. He's got to be able to get them out on a weekend on a consistent basis.
1: Yes. And so on paper, you mentioned like, what is Sonia and what does this change for his role? Again, we've seen this year after year, right? The rotation they set on opening weekend. If a guy struggles, you have a freshman on the back end on Sunday, whether it's a Gunnar Hoagland or a Grayson Sonia last year, he doesn't end up being ready. Mike's done a pretty good job of adapting and finding people like, uh, you know, our friend Booger Eater, Doug Nikesu, who just became like one of the greatest <laughs> pitchers in the history of the school, just to like shut things down. I'm not saying that happens this year, but to your point, it went from Sonia's is like, okay, is he kind of like the third starter and he becomes really strong on a team that overachieves to like, now you look at it, it's him, JT Quinn. I know like the Kyler Karmick kid and Liam Doyle. But, like, outside of that, if you're talking about proven track record, now I kind of, what you said earlier, kind of has to be awesome, and I'm not sure what the path to success with this team is if he's not good in the rotation. Again, we could look up in March, and there's two dudes we're not talking about that are just studs on the back end of the rotation. But on paper right now, I don't see the path if he's not a regular rotation guy that is very good.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, th- this team is dependent on what you know, we look at the offense last year, right, and so "Oh, the offense wasn't great," and it wasn't. But I could, I could make a case that the offense could have been good enough had there been literally anybody on the roster that could have gotten outs on a consistent basis.
1: They um, would have taken two of three, if not one of three, against Florida if they just could have had two dudes get through the seventh through ninth innings. And yes. that probably changes your season.
0: Yes, and and you know, a lot of their struggles offensively last year weren't you know, pure numbers, it was like, you know, when the bases get loaded, they freak out. Um But the key this year is they have to be better on the mound. They're going to hit. I, You know, I'm a firm believer that Mike Clement's a really, really good hitting coach. Um, They're going to hit. They'll be fine offensively. It's what have they done from a development standpoint on the mound. Because, look, you can portal um, your way out of some issues, but you can't portal – Ole Miss could not transfer portal its way out of all of its pitching issues last year. There has to be some development. Grayson Sonia has to be better. JT Quinn has to be better. Um, you know, Sam Tkoyan has to be better. Like, they they have to take these guys. Braden, uh, Braden Jones has to be better. Um, you know, you get Josh Miles back, thank God, as your closer. Um, and, you know, I want to go there for a second. Is there a world where he's not your closer and is in your rotation at some point?
1: Sure. I mean, you lose what you think is a weekend rotation guy yeah. before the year starts. I mean, I would say in that sense, all bets are off, right? Like, you'd yeah. prefer him be your closer, but like, I mean, he's one of the most, by by default, honestly, he's like, honestly, maybe the most experienced pitcher on the baseball team. He pitched in Omaha, First, of course. Not possible. even close.
0: Well, I mean, the only other pitcher that pitched in Omaha was what, Nichols? Is that right? Yeah,
1: who had a terrible year last year, and we'll get to him in a second. Like I, I'm not yeah. necessarily forecasting that this year, but yeah, that there's absolutely a world where you have to do that.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I think they're okay in the bullpen because I don't think I don't think Riley Maddox's numbers were fair to Riley Maddox last year. Um, And you know, obviously, you hope Mason Nichols doesn't have the year he last year and had the has the year that he had in 2022. And obviously, Josh Mallett's at the back end for for the top being. You know, I think they're okay in the bullpen. It's it's really to me. Uh, does Grayson Sonier step up and is JT Quinn as good as advertised? Because uh, from everybody I've talked to and everything I've seen and heard, uh, there's a real belief that JT Quinn is going to be a good Friday night guy. I know that's asking a lot for a guy that struggled last year, even on Sundays. But everything that I've read and heard is that he's taken a ginormous step and is going to be an extremely, extremely um, efficient um, Friday night guy
1: for the reps. We'll get back to Colin in just one second. But before we do, I want to take one quick break to remind you. This podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. If you're a Rippy Right subscriber, that's rippywrights.subsec.com. Get a free newsletter from me. Plus discounted meats right now. If you're a Rippy Right subscriber, just go and show Greg proof of subscription. You get three, six ounce bacon wrap fillets for 20 bucks. It's a $40 valuation you're getting there for 20 bucks. Just show him proof of subscription. He'll get you all set up. Then go find your own favorites. It's the best butcher shop in the world. All kinds of delicious cuts and meats. Go to LB's this holiday season. It will make... Everything in your house better. People will be like, where the hell did you get this awesome stuff? Like LB's University Avenue in Oxford. It is a crown jewel of the South, a crown jewel of Oxford. Check them out today, LB's University Avenue. This podcast is now brought to you by MC Speech Therapy. Has your child been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder or another developmental disorder? MC Speech Therapy offers private speech therapy from the comfort of your own home. Other centers may leave you as the parent sitting in the waiting room. MC speech therapy enables parents to make every moment with their child therapeutic using a relationship based framework. MC speech therapy can help your child engage, relate, and communicate. Mary-Claire Boudreaux's doctorate level expertise and passion in helping children with communication difficulties offers articulation and language therapy, parent training, is, and is licensed to do virtual therapy across the state of mississippi with mc speech therapy you and your family will gain a better understanding of your child while cultivating stronger relationships for service today call 903-824-8575 or email her at maryclaire at mcspeechtherapy.net that is m-a-r-y-c-l-a-i-r-e at mcspeechtherapy.net back to colin I can corroborate all of that too. And like I, I will make it like and to clarify too, I think regardless of the Rivas injury, I think Quinn probably ends up as old Mrs. Friday night guy anyway. It's just yes. kind of what you lose behind him. The Raleigh Maddox thing is interesting because I had a note written down and you mentioned this earlier about like not paying attention after like 18 conference games last year, because what's the point? Um I just, I guess, completely memory hold that Riley Maddox came back and pitched last year. Maybe I remembered at the time. I guess I can go back on the tape because we do record these things. Um, <laughs> but I, I was looking at his stats, hurt I was like, this guy made five appearances last year. I just assume he missed the whole year. To your point, I can't really take anything that happened to him last year. You nah. know, 13 months off Tommy Johnworth at salt. He was an electric freshman. But that just goes to show you what a depressing year last year was. I have no recollection of him pitching in a game last year. Maybe that's just me.
0: Um, I remember looking at box scores and saying, oh, Riley Maddox pitched. How about that? He's back. Um, Congrats.
1: Congrats to him back in a big way.
0: Yeah. I, I remember he pitched it in Missouri. I think Ole Miss won and also gave up like 17 runs um, because, you know, that's what they did. Hey, that's kind of weird. The Ole Miss baseball and the Ole Miss softball team are opening their seasons in Hawaii. That's weird. Um,
1: the softball team's softball. did it because they don't have a stadium, I'm pretty sure.
0: Oh, do they, oh, is that still Are out, they playing like, this year without,
1: like, grandstands?
0: Are you serious?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that project was not completed on schedule or maybe this was part of the design, okay. but I'm pretty sure we're playing a softball. Wait a second.
0: Hold on. You mean to tell me that Ole Miss did not get some construction done on time?
1: Yeah, shocking, right? <laughs> that and there being Uh-oh. too much parking on campus, just too stubborn. they –
0: okay, the, the building that they were building – Behind the football stadium that they've been building since, like, you
1: know, me and you were in college, is that finally done? Who's to say? I can't <laughs> knock it down. I don't know. Um, King <laughs> Cannon, the dorm, was under renovations for like five years, the entire time I was in school, allegedly. Then didn't they didn't tear come, that you know, down? Right. Like, yeah, it's not, they were like, it's not safe to live here anymore. I was like, well, I could have told <laughs> you that five years ago, pal. <laughs> no, I was still sitting there, I could have told you that now, wasn't safe now. to live in. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, software actually opens tomorrow. That's that's interesting. Um, so, well, I say tomorrow, maybe. Yeah, they, they open
1: tomorrow. Wow. Um, yeah. No, I don't have no idea where I was going, but um, I'll put it back on track a little bit to your point. You mentioned Mike and them being developing pitchers, right? You can't really your yeah. way out of the pitching problem. They have yes. a pretty good track record, particularly in the last half decade when they can work with a kid in an off season, more than a year, they have a lot of guys get better. They have a lot of guys True. develop very effective second and third pitches. Normally with Bianco hard slider, some kind of changeup. I don't know what he has against the looping breaking ball, but that's neither here nor there. Um, They do a lot of good. And, you know, we talked about this before, right? Mike was slow on analytics, but in terms of, like, pitching analytics, he's been pretty damn good. You have a lot of those candidates this year. Sam Tokoyan, right? Mm -hmm. I know Mason Nichols is a third-year guy. Josh Mallett's coming off an injury. You have enough guys, particularly that you think are going to be in your bullpen to start the season, that there's reason to believe that they're going to have, even with the Rivas injury, Enough pitching depth where you don't get to the seventh inning and wonder what the hell is going on and when is Taylor Broadway coming out of the bullpen. I think they will have enough depth despite this injury.
0: Yeah, I do too. I, I think depth will – I mean, human beings that can go out there and throw the ball, I don't think, are in short supply. I mean, you know, I don't think we mentioned Braden Jones, who was actually pretty decent for them at times last year. Um, you know, I think they'll have dudes. It's just how good of a job have they done developing pitchers, you know, and, and hopefully that they've done a good job. Because if they haven't, it's going to be a tough year. It's it, To me, you know, we can talk about the offensive players and who we think is going to play in what position, and that's certainly important. Uh, but to me, there's no doubt they'll they'll hit the baseball this year. Uh, what they're not, really. I I think, you know, they're going to be really solid on offense. It's can they get outs on a consistent basis because you don't want to have to look up and have to out-slug everybody. Um, you know, you do know it. A&M slugged their way to Omaha two years ago. But it is not – I'll say this. There is nothing more miserable than having to outslug somebody and having no ability to get out on a consistent basis while you're rooting or coaching a baseball team um you 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 it's much more enjoyable when you know you can put somebody on the bench and challenge the strikes on um, and make quality pitches and, and get get people to either you know induce weak, weak contact or get strikeouts because um, man, it's it's infuriating when you look at a team like last year that just could not get out on a consistent basis.
1: It's not only you're exactly right. It's not only a, a much less enjoyable experience when you're trying to have to outslug someone. Historically, it's a gigantic outlier. Like even last year, yes. when pitching was down in the SEC overall. I mean, you you have to have a legendary lineup to be able to do that. You mentioned that AM team a few years ago. Go back and look what those guys did. That's not very common. And so I'm in total agreement with you on that part of it too. And I do think they have some interesting pieces in the bullpen. I, I honestly, with the way it sets up, with the and mallets and a couple of these other guys. I I don't think Mason Nichols just sucks. I don't think a kid that got significant outs in the college world series, just had a down sophomore year and he just can't pitch anymore. And a couple of these other guys, I do think they will actually have kind of a nifty crafty bullpen. I'll throw one theory at you though. We've talked about through the years, Mike recruiting a lot of right-handed guys who profile the same low nineties, hard slider, develop a change up or vice versa. When they get to school, I don't know whether it's the portal or maybe just recruiting, being freer in general, or in philosophy. One thing I have my eye on this year, and I'm not just doing this because everyone in fall report says this kid through 97, I do think they might have some velo versatility that they not have, have not had in years past, whether it's Braden Jones or a couple of newcomers. I do think you might see some kids that hit the radar gun more consistently than you've seen with past Ole Miss teams. Thoughts?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, when you talk about Quinn and Braden Jones, and uh, they they brought some cats in that they, that can throw hard, um, you know. And from the other end of the spectrum, I think that you know there may be some guys that that maybe aren't the prototypical right-handed hard fastball slaughter like uh, the I think it's his name's Carmack from from Arkansas State. His best pitch is a changeup. Well, he's he right a massive so if, fall.
1: To your point, they they yeah. definitely needed diversity in that pen or really yeah. the staff and,
0: as a whole. And so you know his best pitch is a changeup. And last time I checked, he was right-handed. I hadn't checked and confirmed that in a while, but last time I saw him throw, he was right-handed. So that means if Mike's going to throw his best pitch, he's not going throw right-on-right changeups. Well, my man, a few years ago, not a big fan of right-on-right changeups, as Gunnar Um, You know, so... I, I think they're going to. I think they've gone about pitching and the diversity from uh, arms and what they can bring in a different way. And I think they saw last year that they have to. They can't just consistently run out the same type of arm after arm after arm. And if you're not going to be overly um, talented, you at least need to have a diverse group of arms that you can throw at certain teams um, from a matchup standpoint, because, hey, maybe the. Maybe, you know, Arkansas can hit something really well that, you know, Vanderbilt can't or something to that extent. So um, credit to them. I think you're exactly right. I think they're going to have a different type of variety of arms for sure.
1: And you articulated that very well, too, because like the to your point about Mike Bianca not being a fan of a right-on-right changeup for Gunnar Hoagland, I assume you mean he just wouldn't do it. <laughs> 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 just, yeah. wasn't going to be an option. Well, that,
0: so I'll be honest, the uh, Game 3 start against Arkansas – uh, I'm sitting there talking to somebody, and I'm like, I don't look. I hope they win, but um, his best pitch is a changeup, and they hit all right-handed hitters. And he's going to throw that fastball and his little crappy curveball, and I don't know how this is going to go. And uh, turned out, didn't go well. Did didn't didn't end well that day.
1: It did not. And if you'll remember, actually, I remember sitting up there. I was still a reporter during that. I'm sitting up in the press box. I'm sitting up next against some Arkansas reporter. Nice kid. He was around the same age I was at the time. Um, Ole Miss gets up one to nothing. I think Cooper Johnson like a little, like a little number through the side. It's one nothing, and this kid looks at me and goes, "Oh man, early lead! Like Arkansas is gonna get on their nerves." I was like, "Buddy, we have twenty four more outs to collect here. I'm not sure you understand how this is about to go." (laughs) And I
0: don't know who's collecting. Oh, I don't know. Twenty one of them. Yeah, I I don't know. Three. (laughs) Like.
1: You can be nervous all you want, pal, but I've seen this all year. Like they, they had, this is a long way to go. One, nothing might as well be like 0. 0.25 to nothing. This well, that's
0: is- why when they, when they played Southern Miss, they did the right thing. You just beat the crap out of them. and Nobody has to get nervous and freak out at that point. If you just win by 80, nobody's tight.
1: Exactly. That's the ultimate strategy in baseball. Just win by 80, but at any point in time. So don't let them threaten to the score. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, nobody threatens to score. You know, if, if no one <laughs> scores run the entire weekend, you will probably win the series.
0: The mayor's going to still get his tweets off, huh?
1: Yeah, he will, but that's uh, advanced stats. I mean, he can't argue with that. (laughs) If you don't score, it's hard to win. (laughs) Rotation-wise, I mean, we kind of took over the pitching staff. We've gone 35 minutes. I even looked at what we thought a starting lineup might look like. This is going to be a fascinating starting lineup because it's going to look nothing like they've been in the last couple years. Again, I hinted at this earlier. I think you're going to see Groff in center field, they're going to throw Leje somewhere. I'm not totally convinced it's going to be the infield. I think it could be the outfield. You could see an entirely new team of basically transfers and Campbell Smithwick plus the two Ethans, and that's your starting eight, nine in the field, which leads me probably to where we should start this conversation. You mentioned this coaching staff didn't sit on their hands and do nothing. The portal in college baseball is interesting because it's a lot more wide-ranging than football. And, like, did they go get the Paul Skeens? I mean, no, but, like, that was never realistic. I thought, all in all, they did a pretty bang-up job in the portal. And I guess it will prove itself over the first month of the season. But the guys they got in the portal, um, pretty much all of them are going to be out there. We're going to see how it goes. But I thought they, on paper, they've done a pretty decent job.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I don't know how you can argue against the guy. Um, and Ross from FAU that has the year he has, and obviously Fisher was really good at Duke. Tracy Hughes, one of the biggest names in the portal. Obviously, um, you know, you get, get Hill after the Cooper Pratt deal. Um, and I can make an argument that this year, um, Hill's going to have a bigger impact than Cooper Pratt would have had this year. Now, from a program standpoint, you could have, you would have certainly rather have, you know, Cooper Pratt. Um, but, you know, no, they, they didn't send on their hands. Ethan Groff, dynamic center fielder. He's got to be better offensively. Um, you know, didn't have the year offensively. And I think he wanted or, or almost wanted or needed. Um, so, if you can – you know, he has a better year on the plate. I, I don't think anybody would argue that he's not a really good center fielder. Um, so, yeah. No, I, I think from a lineup in a defensive standpoint, they're going to be pretty good. I like Kill at shortstop. Um, question, I think, is second base, right? What, what are we doing at second base? Um, you know, because obviously Rando buzz. Yeah, yeah. Um, true freshman. You know, obviously Chatney leaves after a, a up and down um career. Um and, and and obviously I hope he does well at TCU. But you know, that's the question because four years, right? Uh, you know, you can say whatever you want about Chatney, he was a really good defender. Uh, you know, maybe that's the best arm strength in the world, but any any ball hit to him, you were out for the for the most part. So, for four years, he's manned that spot. So, um, now you got to go find somebody else. It's going to be interesting to see who that person is.
1: I agree. And a quick sidebar, for college baseball fans, when they see Chatagnier at TCU this year, he's going to be the guy that's like, wait a minute, he's still in college? How does that work? That seems <laughs> like a prime candidate for that.
0: Yeah, well, that and, uh, you know, it's going to be – I'm kind of curious now uh, – I actually would like to go read what the plan is for TJ McCants at Alabama this year. Like, I wonder, is he going to be their shortstop?
1: How's that going to work? I, that is going to be fascinating. I haven't actually even really thought a ton about that either. That's – uh, I mean
0: – I shoot. wondered at one point last year when he was still in the portal and Pratt went pro if that was going to be Ole Miss's move. To go, as get, as him like, go get him back and back. go put him in short. Yeah. Because – I don't know if you remember, but it, like July the 1st, Ole Miss did not have a shortstop on campus. Because remember the kid from uh, t- the University of Tampa left.
1: Yeah, he or was so. like, yeah, I'm coming. And then two weeks later, he was like, actually, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I, don- I don't know yeah. why. Uh, th- th- that's not pointed in any way, but I do remember that. Where it's like, I, they got this kid from the University of Tampa. And he was like, actually, he's not coming. It's like, well, how does that work? Um, <laughs> but like, this is going to be interesting, because in the last couple of years we've done this podcast, They've had so much returning offensively. We've been able to say, Kemp Waterman's going to do this, or Jacob Gonzalez is going to do this. Kevin Graham's going to do this. Justin Bench is going to do this. I have no idea what 95% of this lineup is going to do. I think they have very great potential. Mike, of course, has another insane catcher in Campbell Smithwick. We'll see how that goes as a freshman. But, again, I think the pitching staff, as we talked about earlier, is the more important point. But do you have any idea the range of like what you think anyone in this lineup is going to do? Because I'm kind of clueless.
0: Um, I think Ross is going to be the three hole hitter and hit about 20 home runs and hit about 320. Other than that, no.
1: I think so.
0: Here's my comp. I think for Tracy Hughes, and it's different era, but but I think it's applicable. I think he's he's Austin Bosfield ish, maybe a little more power. Think I think that's maybe the comp. Um, other than that, like, I don't know, I, I don't know what Mike's going to have for a leadoff hitter, maybe Hill at shortstop, but I, don't, I have no idea. Um, no, I don't like from, from those two, you know, I think those are kind of the type guys that, that they are, but outside of that, I mean, you, you obviously hope Groff's better. You know, you know, LeJay was fine at times last year, but you hope he has a better year. Um, no, I don't know what they're going to be offensively, you know? Smithwick, I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that the thought process is he's going to be the everyday catcher. Uh, well, that's that's a lot on a guy. No, he's extremely, I watched him play in high school multiple times. He's extremely, extremely talented. He's one of the high, best high school catchers I've ever seen. Uh, I, I'm a little shocked, not from an inside knowledge standpoint, just from watching him that he actually made it to campus because, man, he can play. 100%. Um, and but, the caution
1: side of that, though, is right. We've seen this before. Remember Cooper Johnson? Yes. yes. Insanely talented. Right, struggled freshman year. Dunhurst didn't really struggle freshman year. Remember, that was one of the last times Mike jumped on me. I've told you this story, right? About Dunhurst? Yeah, what was Dunhurst's debut? Was that 2019 or 2020?
0: No, it would have been 2020, the COVID year.
1: Okay, COVID year. So, first game of the year. Um, Dunhurst has a hit. He looks the part. I'm trying to write a story on how Mike Bianco just continues to shit out catchers and how awesome he is. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, Dunhurst had, a like, a pass ball that got away from him in, like, the seventh inning. Ole Miss still won the game, but it wasn't, like, a great look. But it happened late enough in the game. But I've already prepared my question. So I go down and talk to Mike. We're standing there. And I was like, hey, you know, Dunhurst, freshman catcher, like, what would you think or whatever? And Mike's clearly mad about this pass ball, which I didn't register. <laughs> so he looks at me and was you like, didn't even think about it. Yeah, of course I didn't think about it. I'm, I've already written a story about how, like, Dunhurst <laughs> is the second coming of – name the catcher and Ole Miss. Yogi Berra. <laughs> yeah. Mike looks at me and goes, really? I was like, what? He goes, you're doing that today? I was like, "What? how did you think he played? I was like, what do you mean? He goes, you're doing a Dunhorse story today? I was like, I mean, yeah. He goes, I thought he was fine. He's a freshman. He handled himself well. And he's like looking at me, shaking his head. I was like, Mike, I'm not decapitating your 18-year-old catcher on opening day. Like, I was I was trying to do something positive, but you're pissed off about this pass ball in the seventh inning. And he just gave me the business for absolutely no reason. And that's when I decided, I was like, I might be done with this. And then a month later, COVID hit. <laughs> Dude, he goes, really? You're doing this today? I was like, I mean, yeah, do you not want this to go up online? I was so confused. I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm helping you out, pal.
0: Do you remember so do you remember that Louisville series in 2020 of the season that didn't happen? That series was lit. It do was you remember this? Yeah, well, I thought like, you were talking about a different beat.
1: Louisville series where you were standing no, 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 up no. there and we were the only two out there and he wouldn't talk to me. Oh, that When we were at Louisville, do you remember this? You're yes. filling in for Ben. I go up there because yeah. Super Talk sent me up there for reasons that remain unclear. This is when we discovered Doug Nikhazy, by the way. I know we may have told some version of this story before. Remember, they get railed at Louisville two games in a row in those midweek games in 2018. That was. Doug comes out of the pen and just shuts shit down. But Mike is just not having it after the game. And so, like, you're new, so he'll be nice to you. But he looked at me and was like, I'm not answering a question from this kid. And that's no exaggeration. You watch that.
0: Yeah. So do you remember what else happened in the middle of that interview? Jordan Fowler was throwing a bullpen and he got pissed off at the bullpen and stopped the interview and like, yelled at him and they came back.
1: I forgot about this. Holy <laughs> cow. Yes, I do Holy remember this now. That's the funniest thing I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, he, he's like, hold on just a second. He walks down there and he's like, I'm frustrating this poor kid. And
1: he's like, all right, what was your question? <laughs> That's what I should have known. To just pack it up. I was like, I get quotes from the wire. <laughs> like, I'm not asking this maniac anymore questions. And the funniest part about it is, and I know we talked about this ad nauseum last year because we had nothing else to talk about. It comes for a circle. I haven't come speak at my dental conference, and he's nice as can be. And he's like, you know, I really respected Brian in his time as a reporter, and I was like, oh, really? Did you? Because that is news to me not now. Because <laughs> I have some stories. What happened in Fayetteville, Arkansas? I know. I'm looking at my boss. I was like, I don't know what the fuck he's saying. (laughs) He's yelled at me seven times. Yeah. I was like, dude, I don't know what he's talking about here. Anyway, I derailed us. Lineup-wise, we got through this. If you had to take a guess, and I've we've given each other oh, a tell, let's just do this already because we're not going to do another podcast probably before the season starts. So I might get you on week of Wednesday of week before, but let's go ahead and do this. Line up first week eight position players. Where you got? Oh God! Um, so I
0: don't have to put them in order, right? Like I just got no, 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 no batting
1: order. Just tell me okay. who's playing
0: where. All right, all right. Can you give me this caveat? Is Is Campbell Smithwick healthy?
1: Yes, and he's catcher. So, he's healthy. Okay. And,
0: well, so th- That's a given.
1: So, I'll go ahead and give you okay. that video part. He is healthy. Obviously, he will be the catcher. Okay. All right. Yeah.
0: Um. Third base, I'm going Fisher. I'm going to win that one. Hill at short. I'm going to go Ross at first. I'm going to get that one right. Um. I'm going to go center, Groff, obviously. So, I got second, left, right, and DH. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I'm going to go LeJay at second.
1: Okay.
0: I'm going to go to Mark and left, assuming he's healthy, Uh, and I'm going to go right. Ooh, I don't know who I would put in right in this scenario. Maybe maybe this is where Randall plays second and Leger goes in the outfield. I guess I'll do that because I don't know who would play outfield outside of uh, – because I know Leger's been working. I guess I'll put Randall at second, Leger in the outfield, and my DH is like John Kramer-ish.
1: So on a team that we know almost nothing about, we pretty much had no differences. So that makes for great podcasting, but I think you probably <laughs> nailed it. I mean, in some ways it's obvious, right? You're going to have Hill at shortstop. You're going to have Groff in center. You're going to have Trayson Hughes somewhere in the outfield. I would assume would be right field. Oh, that's, what, that's, I forgot. Did I forget Hughes? No, I think you had him. Maybe okay. I'll have to replay okay. the tape because I have shortstop. Yeah, Trayson yeah, Hughes, Trace up, and Hughes I would, would be a guy definitely having a corner outfit slot. But, you know, and obviously like DH is just almost like a gimmick of a guess, right? I mean, you're going to have four guys rotate there through the non-conference season. My thing, the thing, the couple of things I would keep an eye on, right? Because I pretty much have the same thing. I think Ross will be first base. I think you'll have Fisher at third. There's a lot of Braden Randall buzz at second base. Again, I'm not saying I'll believe it when I see it. I'll just say I believe it now. What's interesting to me is you had Leger kind of play around last year in different parts of the infield I'm not sure he actually played anything in outfield last year. He's been working at outfield some. You mentioned Utermark in the outfield. Um, I this is not any sort of like deep source intel. It sounds like given him healthy, they would prefer to play him in the infield. Have you heard anything about this at all? I've I've heard they've worked him at second a little bit. I don't know about oh, third, well. but it sounds like Utermark has some ability to play the infield. No,
0: no, he did. Play the outfield last year. I am correct, right? Yes, no, no. He
1: definitely played the outfield last year because okay. I was like, "Holy shit, that kid hit one four twenty. We have no one else that can do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. He he's freak athlete. Um, no, I, well, I'll be honest. I have um, I, I, I haven't dug in Um, uh, uh, you know, a, a ton of intel for Ole Miss baseball. Um, uh, like you know, I will probably here in March or so. But um, I think I think the plan of Judd Udermark is healthy. Is he's going to be on. Because they, I think they really, really like that kid. I think there's obviously going to play be a place for Will Furnace as well. He, he wasn't bad last year. Um, you know, so, so I think there's a place for him. Um, Reagan Burford, I know some people make jokes, but you know, he's a veteran within the program. I think there's maybe a spot for him as well, too. So, um, they've got some depth, you know, um, uh, so we'll see. Uh, I think, you know, there's there's going to be the candidates that that don't come out of the lineup, and then there's going to be some guys when they go to Hawaii here next week that you know, uh, he's going to play a lot of people just because that he needs to play a lot of people and see what they can do.
1: Yes, and that's going to be very much the theme of the 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 non-conference season, in my opinion, because you just brought up three names that are very fascinating to me, right? Um, you know Will Furness other than the fact that the announcers just love saying he's Eddie Furness's kid was not very uh, was not bad last year right i mean he had he had probably got more at bats than he was probably supposed to as a freshman is that fair uh, yeah and he was fine last year and you know notice neither one of us brought up his name and that's probably because it's probably a testament of what they've done in the portal among anything else but like that's a kid that's actually going to factor into things like i don't think Will Furness is not a factor on this baseball team And then you have everyone's favorite player, Reagan Burford, who, by the way, I don't know if this is like a football situation to where if you're a senior and you're not a captain, then what's wrong with you? But he was voted a team captain. That that
0: matters. That absolutely matters.
1: I think it does too, because I think there was a perception... When things went bad on that Omaha team when they were 7-14, and I'm not going to say a perception. There, there was murmurs that he was not always the greatest locker room guy, and I feel fairly comfortable saying that. I don't mean to, like, besmirch the kid by any means. Now he's voted a captain. Kid hmm. been in college baseball a long time. We talk about all these newcomers who might come in and play second base or whatever position. we got an older kid that's seen a lot of college arms and a lot of college at-bats. I would not discount that at all.
0: No, not at all. Hey, because everybody's going to ask. I'm going to ask it. I know the answer, but I want you to answer it. Austin Simmons, what's he going to do?
1: Oh, man. I'm going to have to believe that shit when I see it. Um, Okay. I'm not telling you he can't and won't contribute. That's not at all what I'm saying. The two-sport thing just rarely works out the way you think. Yep. Now, granted, he is a pitcher. I'll give him that, right? You don't have to be at the ballpark every day and play every single day. but. I don't know. We were talking about this the other night. Seems like he'd prefer to be a quarterback. I would say I have a little bit of intel on that piece of it. I guess my can't contribute. Not telling you he won't. Maybe that he has to, but I need to see that in game action first. I
0: guess my question would be, and, and again, I I'm just this is just me talking. If I'm him, I feel like this is the year that if I'm going to do something in baseball, I go after it because I'm not going to be the quarterback next year.
1: Well, and like, so like, I agree with that. But then Chase has that story where it's like he's going to be at spring practice a lot, and I get that he's a pitcher. Oh, wow. It's wow! Like how does that work? Like you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That was very I mean, telling that. to me. I was like, look, like I, I he's very talented as a pitcher. Don't get me wrong; I'm not discounting his abilities. But like Chase has that story where he seemingly, I assume, he talked to the kid. It was like, he, I'm going to be at spring practice a lot. I'm like, well, how did, how's that going to go? I think Mike's going to love that.
0: Yeah, no, that's going to be tough. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, and that, I guess that's what I'm saying is if there was a year to ever commit to baseball, like from his perspective, this would be the one. So that tells you kind of that that, that to me, it kind of tells you, you for first football, which is fine because he's obviously very, very talented at that. Um, and almost is going to need a quarterback after 2024. Um, wait, that year is right. Yeah, 2024. So, um, yeah, no, it's interesting. But I just knew people were going to ask what, what Austin Simmons was going to do. So I was going to provide you, because you know more than me about it, I was going to provide you the ability to answer that.
1: Yeah, again, I'll just believe it when I see it. All right, we have plenty of time. We have all spring to dive into this lineup. I'll give, before, I have a couple rapid-fire things that I think you're going to love to cover, by the way. Sure. Um, before that, oh, one last encapsulating thought on this whole Miss team. Last year sucked. It was miserable. We mm-hmm. didn't have a good time mm-hmm. podcasting. I always enjoy talking to you. But, again, as we go back to the beginning of this, I was like mid-April. I was like, dude, what are we talking about? This is the same thing over and over <laughs> again. Bad, good, or indifferent, I think this team will be more fun than last year. And I know yes. that's a low bar. Do you agree with that?
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it, well, yes, this team will be more fun. There, there's no doubt. Um, you know, I don't, I don't mean to crap on anybody when I say this. That team has the really good run in 2022, wins the national title. But there were some kids that came back, and they were the players they had always been instead of the players that they were on the home and And that was kind of hard to watch, right? Like, it was it was really hard for me to watch T.J. McCants hit like 140 last year. That sucked. It was it was hard because – and it was hard to watch Peyton Shotton have a bad year because he was really, really important on the run to home run was T.J., but those kind of like, unfortunately, they were the players that they were. Um, that was kind of the player that they had always been. They, the player they had always been wasn't the guys that had the extremely hot streak on the way to Omaha. And and for me, that was hard to see because that those two guys were extremely pivotal in winning, you know, a lot of the national title. And to kind of see them have those years, kind of then that sucked. And so. This year, you know, it's a bunch of new guys, a bunch of fresh faces, and and you won't, you know, you won't have that. You won't have the guy that that has the tough year after, you know, the really really important um, pivotal run to the Cods World Series, and and you know, you won't have that emotion so Because Frank, quite frankly, the guys that are playing this year, you don't have a, You don't have a bunch of emotional capital built up until because hell, you don't know half, who half of them are.
1: It's all new. Yeah. I think that's extremely well said, and I'm interested to see kind of how this team flushes itself out. Last couple rapid-fire things before I will let you get out of here. Um, one, Mitch Morell is back. Will he get a new hat? I hope so. Get, Matt, get Mitch a new hat. Yeah, we have to. He needs to, a new right? hat. It would have been cool if they were good last year, but he has to get a new hat. Um, <laughs> yeah, change the hat, Mitch. Yeah, I'd like some of the listeners out there to monitor that. If you go to the scrimmages, if he has that old hat on, we're going to have a real issue with Mitch. Um <laughs> Last one. Did you see the update to this Brad Bohannon story? I couldn't believe yes. this is real.
0: Oh, my okay. God. All right. All right. So I, I have to ask. All right. Who's the dumber human? Is it the guy? Because because I think this is important. Is it the guy at the sports book telling the sports book people, hey, um, I've got a bet that I know is going to win because the guy that coaches the team, he's going to scratch them. I'm going to bet on him. Is that the dumbest human? Or – Is it the moron that on his university cell phone, texts the words, hammer this, I'm about to go scratch our picture because a lot of people are given the easy answer that the guy, the sports book is the dumber human being. I got a real argument that it's Bohattan.
1: Okay, I have no idea how to answer this question. And I've thought about this more than you would probably appreciate over the last day and a half in anticipation for this podcast. I don't know how to answer this because to your point, There's a massive case for a Bohannon, but I guess if I'm, I'm not even taking a side here yet. I'm still going to have to think about this in my brain, but if I'm counter arguing you and I'm arguing that it's the other guy, how about is the fact that after they wouldn't take his action, he yelled at the casino people. If only you knew what I knew.
0: Oh, buddy, they're about to.
1: (laughs) Is that not what takes the cake? He's in a casino (laughs) And they won't take his action because you know who the hell bets a hundred thousand dollars on a college baseball game, and he yells at the people in charge of the casino. If only you knew what I knew, like what the fuck, like what? what how does <laughs> <is> that? <laughs> you think to go and I'm gonna go do that. I'm gonna go to
0: see, place a bet and be like, yeah, well if, well, if you guys knew what I knew, as I bet fifty dollars on the Super Bowl. <laughs>
1: So as I'm reading this story and the update to this, which is the most classic NCAA thing of all time, right? They can't just ban a guy. They have to give him a 15-year show cause, which is just hilarious, like adding insult to injury. Don't ban the guy for life. Just give him a 15-year show cause. That'll show him. But I'm reading it. I'm like, Brad Buhan is the dumbest human being I've ever met. And then you read the text messages and you hear or the court deposition or whatever happened, the court documents, and you see that the man who was placing the bets yelled, If only you knew what I knew. I'm like, now we have a real debate on our hands. Who is dumber here? All right. I could not believe that was real life, to be completely honest. I was like, you know, every time you get on the Internet now and you're like, ah, this has to be made up or this is Photoshopped or what's the full story here? I was like, this cannot be real. Brad Bohannon was making
0: four hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. To coach a baseball team that nobody cared about, that was pretty good. They hosted a regional after they got rid of him last year. So they went through all that turmoil and hosted and won a regional. And he was making $500,000, and nobody cared. He was a great coach. (laughs) And this idiot threw his career away to give somebody – that was gonna run to the sports book and tell the cashiers that it's only they
1: knew what he knew betting in
0: front.
1: Like, Brad, what are we doing? I, I again, I don't pretend to know his backstory, his livelihood. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but man, the way you just described it, when you have that set up and you have that livelihood, like it's your first instinct not like this guy was gonna get killed by the mafia? That's that is the only way I could justify <laughs> it. I mean, it just it it makes no sense.
0: Well, my favorite thing was—I don't know if you remember this when This first all broke out like the rumors coming out of Tuscaloosa was like, "No, nah, this goes really deep." And I don't know if anything ever popped, but it was not like it. I didn't know—I didn't ever hear anything what they were. But it was everybody was like, "No, nah, this goes way deeper than just Brad and telling like, people uh, about a bet."
1: I mean, do you know? How, do you know how desperate of a man you have to be to be on a university issued cell phone testing <laughs> the guy going into the casino? Hammer LSU, I'm scratching our starting pitcher. Like, I'm sure he looked at that and was like, I, what an idiot.
0: Well, here's the thing. Do you know the final score of that game? I don't remember. It was eight to six, and Alabama had the time run in scoring position in the ninth inning.
1: Oh man. Do you oh. think he was like, hey, be cautious? Whoa. Whoa. Hey, Sal, <laughs> take until you get two strikes. Take till you get three. Yeah. <laughs> if that bat leaves your shoulders you're cut coach why don't worry about it
0: I'll pay you 500 bucks shut up
1: that's, that's just, <laughs> it's it's one of those things like I, I again we could go about this all night I just that that type of shit, I cannot believe that was real well remember we were scratching our starting pitcher that was a real text message an SEC coach sent to a guy <sighs> at a at a sports book outside the Cincinnati Red Stadium, by the way. Well, apparently they had surveillance cameras and were able to zoom in on <laughs> what this man was saying. There's cameras. I mean, you've been in a casino. There's cameras every yes. five feet. You don't think they can see what you're texting?
0: <laughs> oh my god.
1: Dumbest human being on the
0: planet. I I five hundred thousand dollars to coach a team that nobody cares about with no pressure and. You threw it away to give some guy like named, I can't even remember his name. Uh, betting info and like and here's the thing too. It wasn't like LSU was a short favorite. No, they're like minus two eighty. So my man like put fifteen thousand dollars on like four, which you know four thousand dollars is good and all. Maybe five five thousand dollars is good and all. But like I don't think he ever got his money either. It's like I feel like that guy. Honestly, I feel like that guy should get his money. I think they should have to give him his five thousand dollars.
1: I think so, too. With all the effort he went through, I mean, at least they could do. (laughs) Maybe pay for his attorney. He's going to need it. What an absolute just. Is anything, and
0: and, uh, maybe a lawyer could help us here. Is anything in there illegal? Is there
1: anything that
0: someone could go to jail for in there?
1: I have no idea. I have no idea if, like, taking inside info from a coach like that is actually illegal or just, like, frowned upon.
0: Yeah, like, I know it's obviously against NCAA rules because they banned the man for, like, 87 years. But is if, if you're a lawyer listening to this, please please uh, tweet at me or Brian because now I'm very curious if someone can go to, like, actual federal prison for what, what happened. Because I don't know the legalities. I know, obviously, if somebody was paid within the game to, you know, point shave, that that's illegal. But, like, is what Brad Mohanin did because now I'm very curious.
1: No, I'm with you. I'd like to actually get some clarity on this. Like, is this actually illegal? I don't know how how any of this works, but...
0: Is Brad Bohannon going to Fed prison?
1: Yeah, he probably accepted a plea deal until he texted one of the witnesses and, like, threatened them because he doesn't seem to have great sense. But be that as it may... (laughs) We uh we will get it in the SEC. We'll do another podcast probably for the season starts. We'll get in the SEC maybe sure, next Wednesday sure. or so. But I gotta say, last thing we went an hour and a half, and we did not mention Coach Vitello. Was that disrespectful? That is disrespectful.
0: The Vols are fielding a team this year. Have you heard any differently? That have you heard any differently about them fielding a team?
1: No, other than that, the man doesn't want them to, and the NCAA is out to get them.
0: That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, I, I am just glad that, that the dynasty that is Tennessee baseball. Um, all one win in the last 22 years in, in the College World Series. I'm just glad that they're going to be back and on the field at Lindsey Nelson Stadium, that I'm not sure is actually a regulation field. Um, and and I think the Rebels actually go up there this year, so that'll be fun. Um, because you know Mike Bianco and, and Tony Vontella are a lot, of them, if you think about it.
1: They are a lot alike. We have a lot to be thankful for this year. The fact that Tennessee invented this sport is at the top of my list. He is Colin Brister. I appreciate the time, my man. This is a lot of fun. We're going to a new season. I'll talk to you soon, dude. All right, brother. Be good. All right. That's going to do it for our show today. Appreciate you listening to this podcast as always. Hope you're enjoying your weekend. We'll be back with Brack and Ray on Sunday. A couple guests next week. Looking forward to diving into baseball season continuing basketball. Appreciate you making this show a part of your podcast arsenal, and we will talk to you here real soon.